0: Looks like we got a pretty good crew in here this morning. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, it's a joy to be here. I thank you all for being with me this morning and uh, continuing our study in Romans. Uh, tell you what, before I jump in, let's let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we just want to thank you for uh, blessing of life, the blessing of another day, and uh, Father, we're thankful for this Sunday morning when uh, we can gather uh, as your people, as your family here at Meadowlark to uh, to study, uh, to worship, Father, to, to bring you praise and glory uh, in our words, in our thoughts, uh, in just the way we treat one another, Father, we just want to praise you with our lives, and um, we're so thankful for, Father, the way you move in our lives, um, I'm thankful for the things that uh, you reveal to us, the things you demonstrate to us in so many different ways. And uh, Father, I'm, a, I'm particularly thankful for your Word um, and just, uh, oh, just the way you've uh, showed us so many things. Father, I just pray that we'll we'll learn to open our hearts, Father, to your Word. Um, uh, we won't read it. Uh, with blinders on or preconceived notions or the way that we've always understood it, Father. But I just pray that we'll read it and study it with open hearts uh, so that you might show us how, how it affects our lives right now, uh, today, uh, and how you want it to change us in the future, in the days ahead. So I just pray that you'll bless our study of Romans. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for Paul. Um, his passion for the gospel um, and the way that passion is revealed uh, in this book, this book that's been left for us. and uh, So thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for the inspiration that that provides us in so many different ways. So just pray you bless our time this morning, our study together, and uh, and we just want to ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, well, we're going to continue this morning. Uh, last week we got, I think, a good start on this, and uh, this morning uh, Paul really changes gears, and we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that and why uh, that is, in my mind at least. And uh, but uh, I think one, one thing that Paul realized is that we are all really desperately. In need of grace and he would have said that about his own life Uh, even when he wrote this book I think Paul would have said I'm desperately in need of grace and uh, I I just wanted to look at that passage that kind of key verse in Romans uh, 1 16 through 17 kind of to get us started this morning Uh, this is kind of the key to the book I think uh, when, when Paul says for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And we we talked about the fact that... Um, The salvation that Paul talks about uh, comes about by the power of God. Uh, It doesn't come about by anything that we could ever do. Uh, This is all about God and what he does, uh, this miraculous thing he does in our lives when he saves us. Uh, And it's a beautiful thing. And I I think Paul wants us to understand more than anything that this is not about us at all uh, and our ability to do anything. And I think he wants us to recognize where we stand before God, before this gospel, before this salvation comes into our lives. Uh, but I think he wants us to understand that we are desperately uh, in need of grace. Uh, Paul says something that's interesting in First Timothy. Uh, if, if Paul thought he was the worst of sinners where does that leave you and I? Have you ever thought about that? If Paul thought he was the worst of sinners, where does that leave you and I? You know what he said in First Timothy 15-16? through 16? He says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me... The worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Do uh, you see the tense that he's using of the verb there? He says, I am the worst of sinners, present tense. Um, I think that tells you a lot about Paul, uh, his understanding of of where he was in relationship to God's mercy and grace and how desperately he needed that mercy and grace. I've got a word mosaic here for you. These are all words that appear in the first chapter of Romans. Uh, If you're like me, when you really uh, think about those words... Uh, kind of brings a heaviness on my heart. Uh, some pretty dark words there. Uh, they all appear, like I said, in the first chapter of Romans. Uh, not only are they dark, I, I think they're probably painful for some of us. Uh, because we see those words and we see how they've been descriptive of our lives from, you know, at one point or another. Uh, I'm thankful, Uh, I'm I'm hoping that for a lot of us in this room today that we've we've been set free from the power of these words in our lives. Uh, But, you know, I I think uh, that Paul gives us these words uh, not so we can uh, identify sin in the lives of others, but so we can identify sin in our own lives. I don't think these words are at all about us being able to identify sin in, the other, pe- in other people's lives. Uh, so I think we need to understand that first off. What I'd like to do, turn over to Romans 1, uh, starting in verse 18. Uh, we're going to kind of work through this together this morning. Uh, I've got a little bit of ground to cover, so uh, let's see what we can do with this. Uh, one, one thing I'm about... In reading, let me read Romans. Let me read this these couple of verses, and we'll we'll jump into it. Uh, Paul says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for His invisible attributes." namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Um, You know, it's interesting. In verse 17, uh, Paul was talking about how the gospel revealed the righteousness of God. But here in verse 18, we go from the righteousness of God to the wrath of God in the very next verse. Uh, Again, Paul is trying to make a point. Uh, Sin, God hates sin. He hates it in our lives. And uh, I think this word wrath, uh, as modern-day Christians, gives us a little bit of problem, gives us a little bit of trouble. We don't like the word. I think we like to talk about the love of God, and how the love of God comes into our lives. But I don't think Paul had any problem at all talking about wrath, the wrath of God. Uh, For a Jew, I think the Jews were well acquainted uh, with God's wrath uh, from their history in the Old Testament. And I think Paul thought it was important for us to talk about the wrath of God and how he hates sin. Uh, uh, We know that his wrath is a part of his righteousness, right? Right? The wrath of God is part of his righteousness. Uh, uh, The Apostle John says in 1 John that uh, that there is no darkness in God at all. You know, God is righteous, and in there is no darkness. So I I think Paul wants to say, hey, you know, our sin brings about the wrath of God. And it says here... uh, Uh, We have the revelation of God's wrath, and I I might mention that the word wrath is mentioned ten times in Romans. It's mentioned several times in this text that we're looking at today. Uh, And Paul says his wrath is revealed now, revealed now, and that's the point that I kind of want to make here. We know that God's wrath is being stored up for the last days, uh, a time of judgment, but Paul is saying that God's wrath is revealed now. And uh, we have to ask the question, why? And uh, Paul talks about the, his, the revelation. Uh, it's a general revelation of himself and nature. Uh, and that how we can see uh, his divine qualities, his eternal power, just, just when we look at nature, uh, it demonstrates that, uh, that God, is, uh, God exists and that we have some ability to understand him just through nature. It 's a general revelation and not a uh, it's not a special revelation that we might receive through Christ or through his word, but it God is saying, Hey, if all you had was, was nature, that would be enough for you to know me uh, and what he's saying in this text is the people that have seen him in nature have suppressed the truth about him uh, they've they've looked elsewhere uh, to find that that thing that God has placed in our hearts, uh, I think the, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, said that God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. And so we have, we have this void in our lives and our hearts that can only be filled by Him. So if we, t- if we don't fill it uh, by what we see, even just in nature, we're going to try to fill it some other way. And uh, I, I think it's interesting here that Paul says our excuses will not... We, we, can't, we have no excuse uh, that our excuses will not absolve our responsibility. What What are some excuses that we make uh, that we fall back on? Just Just think real quickly about some excuses we might fall back on uh, about dealing with belief in God. Any thoughts about that?
1: Again, not as bad as somebody else. I can compare myself.
0: To. Yeah, we do the comparison thing. Yeah. Do we, we say do we maybe say hey you really haven't given me enough to believe in you. You ever heard that excuse? You know I you really haven't given me enough. Yes, John.
1: Yeah, you know, rationalization is probably the biggest.
0: Yeah. Thing you
1: use. Yeah. You can rationalize anything. Yeah.
0: And that and God is saying hey that that's not going to work. Uh, that's not going to work. Uh, your excuses uh When you stand before me, your excuses are not going to absolve you of your responsibility. Uh, uh, So they were without excuse. And then going on down, let's, let's read on down through verses 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So in that in that section, uh, we see the first result of our unbelief, and that's spiritual darkness. You know, we just fall when when we don't seek God for what He is. We just fall into the spiritual darkness, and some things happen. Our minds become darkened. Uh, our hearts become foolish. <laughs> it's amazing uh, the cycle that we can get into. And then God says we, uh, we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We, we make up religion, which is, which is amazing, isn't it, when you think about that? We have the almighty God right in front of us. He's revealed himself in nature, and we make up stuff. We don't see the truth that is in front of us, but we suppress the truth, and we we make substitutes. Uh, we we make idols. We we uh, look for other ways to fill that void in our hearts. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a spiral. It's really a spiral that we get into when we d- we just don't recognize the truth, and then it's it's just a downward spiral from there. Yeah. Uh,
1: just one comment, you know. We- about, you know you talk to people out there who they say they don't believe in God. Right. And even your your statement up there talks about the result of unbelief. But if you really look at what Paul is saying here, he's saying for even though they knew God, everything yeah. out there tells them there right. is a God in nature. Right. So it's not that they don't believe. They what Paul's saying is you've rejected God. Yeah. You know who God is, you've seen God in nature. You have all the proof you need out there. It's not that you don't believe; yeah. you've rejected him. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think sometimes we give people an out when we just say they don't believe, rather yeah. than tell them, "Well, no, it's not that you don't believe in God; you have rejected
0: God." Right. Yeah, yeah. They they suppress the truth, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we bury it. We bury the truth sometimes, uh, and that and this is the result of that. I think that, that's a good comment, Jim. Uh, reading on down uh, Romans twenty uh, one twenty four. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the cre- cre- the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions for the women exchanged natural relations for those for, for the women exchanged natural re- relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error and since they did not see fit to acknowledge god god gave them up to a debased mind they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Oh, that's that's pretty painful to read for me. <laughs> but, um, it's there uh, for us to understand. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, right off the bat here in this section of Scripture is this idea of God giving them up and what that means. Uh, and, and by the way, I think that's, that's the first evidence of wrath demonstrated. Paul talks about the wrath, wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Well, how is that revealed? Well, I think the first thing that happens is God gave them up. That's the first way his wrath is revealed, by giving us up. Uh, but what does that mean? Uh, I guess when I, when, I thought, when I think about that at first, I'm thinking that God's doing this, that he's just washing his hands and doing this. I don't think he's doing that at all. (laughs) Because if he was doing that, I wouldn't be here today. If he was doing this with me, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, I think it's more like uh, the father who let his son go to the distant country. He didn't stop him. He didn't prevent him. But he let him go. He, he knew that something was going to happen when he did that and that his son was going to experience the consequences of those choices that he was beginning to make in his life. And, you know, I, th- I think we, uh, uh, we talk about uh, a, downward, a downward spiral or a slippery slope. And, you know, I, I understand the slope. I've been on it. And the thing about it is it's a downward slope. It goes like this. And it accelerates. When you get on this slope, it accelerates. Uh, and God is just giving them up, I think, to experience the consequences of their choices. It's not that he's giving up on them. He's giving them up uh, to the sin that, that's characterizing their life, the choices they're making out, yeah, Kathy. Right, to God what that means. right. If you choose this, this is where yeah. it leads Yeah, and I'm going to allow that. Right, you know, right.
2: But if you choose, you know, if you walk in the light and you confess your sins, then right. you're not going to be in that path where I'm not present with you. Right, and you're given over, right, right. Whatever. Yeah. But um, to me, it's a if then thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah I worked hard for that I got that promotion or raise or I you know this good thing happened because I worked so hard in this you know, right that I believe that leads to uh, right the darkening and the hardening right
0: Yeah, I think God has made a lot of it then promises to us and uh, uh, and it probably applies in this area. Christy, were you saying uh, yeah, my translation really agrees with that. It my translation says so God gave them just what their lustful hearts deserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good.
1: And our our
0: theology is in your first statement, yeah, that he offers salvation to everyone who believes. So he had already declared salvation is available to everyone. Right. And so, any the tension for Christians in reading this passage in a worldly environment is the world thinks we're condemning and judging. Right. Where where God has already offered salvation to everyone, He's not. Right. If He wanted us to go to hell, He'd just keep Jesus in heaven. So, right. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. You turn that around. Yeah. In a hurry. Yeah. So it has to be our belief in the first statement has right. to guide what we right. feel about Right. Right. And He wants to get us off the slippery slope. Yeah. He really does. And uh, yeah, Jim.
1: Yeah. And when Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus he did I think use a little different words they're very similar to what we're talking about over in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 he says having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness." so it's it's really here God didn't do it they're doing it because of their rejection of God
0: oh, Yeah, yep yeah. very good <laughs> let's move Got to move. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think this section of Scripture just tells us of the horror of sin uh, and how God God feels about it. Uh, but in contrast, doesn't it kind of give us an indication of the glory of the gospel, how beautiful it is when we talk about God's power in saving us and what He's saving us from? Uh, the glory of the gospel is just beautiful when it's compared to the horror of our sin and how God overcomes that sin in our lives. Uh, let's move into chapter 2. Uh, by the way, I'm reading from the ESV today. I, hope, I, I know we're reading from a lot of different versions today, but I'm I'm reading from the ESV just so you guys will know. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges... For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Isn't that interesting that right after this, God jumps in, I mean that Paul jumps into this, uh, this idea of judging? Uh, and there again, it gets back to what i said i don 't think this list of sins is so we can identify them in everybody else 's life, is it? So we can identify these sins in our lives it 's not about judgment and, and, and what did what did Jesus say uh, in matthew seven he says hey you 're worried about that speck in your brother 's eye uh, when you have a log in your own eye are are we really going to be spectators?" Is, is, is that our job? I don't think so. Uh, I think a lot of commentators think that this section that Paul is maybe talking to the Jews, uh, that maybe that they had an issue with judgment. Uh, you know, they had the law. It was easy for them to look on the Gentiles and say, look at these people. <laughs> look at how bad they are. I think this definitely applies to us, though, doesn't it? Uh, even if this was meant for the Jews at the time that uh, Paul wrote it. This definitely applies to us. Uh, We need to be careful about judgment, folks. Uh, We're not in the judging business. That's not our job. It's never been our job. Uh, We need to be careful about that. Uh, We need to be concerned about dealing with the problems that we have in our own lives. And uh, God God hates it when we try to do His work. (laughs) He really does. And uh, he's a righteous judge. So we'll let him take care of the judging. Verse 4, Do You presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Uh, you know, the, Paul's talking about the God's wrath again. Uh, here he's talking about the wrath that will, be, uh, that will become... I, become he said, he's talking about storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath. I think Paul is talking about something else completely different than the wrath that God is revealing now. This, this is a future wrath that he's talking about here. This wrath that's been stored up for the last days for the judgment of God. And uh, just this idea of repentance. And again, he's, he's talking about these people who are judging who Paul may have been specifically talking to the Jews, and he's saying, you know, what about your hearts? Uh, you, you easily condemn others, but how about your hearts? Have you, have you changed? Have you, have you repented uh, of, of the sin that is, that's characteristic of your lives? Uh, uh, and just, just the idea of humbling ourselves, I think, and uh, a recognition uh, of, of the things that exist in our own lives. So we need to repent. We need to turn around. Uh, and Paul says, repent or die. It's as easy as that. It's as simple as that. Uh, b- verse 60 says, we, he will render to each one according to his works. By the way, in the section 6 to 16, I think he's talking about two pathways that we can be on. So as I read this, be kind of thinking about two pathways that it's possible for us to be on. Uh, but beginning in verse six, he says, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, who will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey, but obey unrighteousness, there, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges, judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Boy, those words right at the end of that, God judges the secrets of, Christ, of men by Christ Jesus, that's, that's a little scary. Uh, that our secrets are going to be judged uh, by God. Uh, But, you know, I I think we see two pathways we can be on here. We can be on the pathway that leads to life, uh, that leads to immortality, or we can be on the pathway that leads to death. Uh, Again, uh, Jesus talked about two pathways, didn't he? He talked about a wide pathway and a narrow pathway. Uh, The wide pathway leads to destruction and the narrow pathway leads to life. so, you know, I think the good news about this, though, if, if you feel like you're on the wrong pathway, you can get off of it. Uh, God wants to help you get off of that pathway. It's not going to be easy. You know, once we start traveling that wide pathway that leads to destruction, it's not easy to get off of that pathway. But the good news, I think, through God's power, again, we're talking about God's power, we can get off uh, of that pathway. Going on down. And by the way, I'm sorry I'm doing a lot of reading. We've got a lot of ground to cover here in Romans. You know, one thing I meant to mention last week, I've been through a lot of Roman studies and classes on Sunday morning in Romans. We usually get through chapter 5 or 6 or 7 or maybe 8. I've never been through the book of Romans in a Sunday morning class, even though we're studying Romans. So my goal, I know it's a lofty goal, I'm pressing forward. We're going to get through this book because I think we need to understand it as a whole and in context. So we're moving. So hang on. I hope you've been doing some study outside uh, to keep up with this, but uh, we need to keep it moving, because I want to get through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings. Uh, Beginning uh, in verse 17, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, You who have poor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place there. Okay, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes Uncircumcision. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So this is my thought here. I think some people think that their religion will save them. Uh, I think this was probably true of the Jews. I think they thought their religion would save them. Uh, This idea of circumcision was definitely a physical act, an act of obedience. But was that what God was really interested in? The physical outward act? Is that what he really required? Is that what he really wanted? Uh, Just a mere observance of the law, of the ritual? That's not what he wanted. That's never what he wanted. Yeah, Nathan?
1: This passage, Yeah. Maybe not allowed, but, <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a Jew, and I'm not under the law, but if I think now you are a Christian, you think mm-hmm. you're going to be saved because you were bent under water one mm-hmm. time. You know, baptism is a physical thing, but it's not physical, just, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty easy to slip a couple words in there and understand. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. It's one thing to say I feel great because I'm a Christian and I've done some of the right things. Right. Right.
0: I maybe you have
1: missed a little bit of the point.
0: Am I really light to people? Right. You know? Right. Very good. Yeah. I think that's I think that's how it applies to us. Uh, and, that, and baptism is an example of that. It, it's not the only example, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not about going through the motions. <laughs> God's not interested in us going through the motions. Just because somebody put us under the water doesn't mean anything. If there wasn't something going on in our hearts. Uh, it just doesn't mean anything. And uh, I, I think we understand that and, and we get that. I, I just think we need to be careful uh, about dotting our I's and crossing our T's and missing the point. Yeah, Nicole? I don't think the outward are No, I'm not saying they're not. They're acts of obedience. No, they're acts of, ob- of obedience. But I'm just saying if they're empty, if they're devoid of heart, they mean nothing. But yeah. They still are necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all.
2: Uh, Paul, Paul might be disagreeing. What's important is something that's more than something we can physically cut with a knife right. or make wet with water.
0: Yeah. Cindy and then Kathy. Yes, yes, who, who have the same effect on people, by the way, they absolutely the same effect on people. Kathy. It talks
2: about in this passage obeying the truth, and the truth that Steve talked about is what can be known about God in this creation. Right. Right. It's something that we don't call sometimes
0: obeying the truth. Right. Right. Right, right. Like if you do yeah. this, 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 and God be
2: these things, internalize who I am. Right. Have that come out in yeah. your
0: life. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of the contrast. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. Very good. Yeah, John.
1: Just, just one quick comment. I also think it's really important, you know, here in this second sort of chapter, here to realize that it's God's judgment that's important. Yes. Doing the actions, right. the like, you know, surface or whatever. God's yeah, just, just right.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, I think right. Right. right, right. Yeah, we need to be reminded of that, and Paul wants to remind us of that. Yeah, very good, John. Yeah, let's never forget that. We can discern, but we need to stay away from judgment. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: Jason. Yeah. Um,
2: to keep each other accountable. And I think there's a difference between yeah.
0: trying to help each other accountable. Being judgmental.
1: Each other right.
0: Right. 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 One is negative and one is positive. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. Very good. And your word religion implies that we put faith in something we do right. rather than in the God who does it. Right. Being a member of a church. That's not going to save us. Okay, moving on. Chapter 3. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though every one were a liar. As it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to His glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God all have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. the venom of asp is in their lips, is under their lips. their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Um, Paul talks about a universal problem here, uh, this problem of, sin nobody's exempt from it no one is righteous not even one Um, so i i think there's no room for this comparison thing nathan that we do sometimes with other people you know it's like you're jumping to the moon you know i can i can jump six inches you can jump two feet but we're still a long way from the moon uh so we have no basis for comparison to anybody And uh, so we need to understand that no one is righteous. Everyone is accountable to God for what he or she has done. Everyone is guilty of having done countless wrong things. And no one will be justified by God on the basis of any good work that we have done. That's what Paul, I think, is trying to tell us is that we have no standing before God unless He has given us standing before Him. Unless He has given us His righteousness because we cannot stand before God unless we are counted righteousness, uh, counted righteous. Um, so, it's a beautiful thing that Paul understands that um, God who is capable of wrath and in fact demonstrates His wrath over our sin... Loves us enough to give us his righteousness. Um, uh, so anyway, I think, I think that's where we're at at this point. Uh, again, next week, Paul's going to change course again. Uh, but he lays this groundwork. He jumps off at the very beginning and lays this groundwork for us and showing us how glorious the gospel truly is. Any, we've got one minute. <laughs> Anybody have any closing thoughts? I hope you guys are. I, I'm sending out questions every week. Hope you take the opportunity to study. You know, I'm just having you focus on a chapter, maybe even a lesson, a chapter. Uh, uh, spend some time. Uh, spend some time in Romans 8. Uh, Karen, on the way to church this morning, said, How many verses have you learned, Gary? And I, says, well, <laughs> I said, Well, <laughs> I said, Maybe seven or eight. And she says, well, can you quote him? I says, I didn't, I'm i not warning them to say them. <laughs> so, uh, this, uh, you know, just spend time. You, you'll be blessed. You'll be greatly blessed. We're looking forward to Jeff starting his, his, his sermon series in Romans 8 today. So, see you upstairs. Thanks for being here.